And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, and your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times that you know me. All right, here we are again, and we're grateful for that. We are, we are excited to be together as a family once, once again. If you would keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, we'll be working out of that uh, chapter in that area that we just read from uh, a few seconds ago. We've had last year, our family, and uh, the Hope's family as well, had, had a wedding or two. We had two. It's always fun at those weddings to watch the groom because when the groom and the groomsmen come in and they're standing there, what is he doing? What's the groom doing? He's nervously looking down the aisle, waiting, waiting for her to appear and then she appears and then they make, they make eye contact and they exchange, they exchange the look. And at that moment, no one else seems to exist in the room as they stare into each eye, sharing that look. And then standing together during the ceremony, they, they hardly ever break eye contact. They're just staring intently. They are sharing a look of commitment, of excitement, a look of expectation. And we can go back in time before that wedding to the point where, where he drops to one knee. And uh, he takes her hand, and he looks her in the eye, and they share the look. They're not going to break eye contact until the question is asked and the question is answered. At that moment, no one else seems to exist around them. They're sharing a look of anticipation. They're sharing a look of excitement. They're sharing a look of hopeful expectation. Will he ever ask me? And what will she say when I ask her? And you can go back even farther in time when they shared. It, it all started with that initial look. And most of us can relate to that, those experiences, can't we? Because there's, there are a lot of instances where eye contact is made and held and lives are changed, sometimes for, for the better and sometimes not you know, for, for some negative aspects. But tonight, we will be taking a look at a look exchanged between our Lord and one of his apostles. Accounts from this, uh, of this uh, experience, the, the instant, can be found in Mark 16, John 18, Matthew 26. But we're going to be looking at Luke 22 tonight. And you recall the reading just a moment ago. P uh, Jesus has told Peter, you're going to deny me. Satan's going to enter you. He, he, he wants to sift you like wheat. You're going to deny me. And then in 34 of Luke 22, he says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times. Deny three times that you know me. And then we come to a point in Luke chapter 22 
Jesus has been arrested. He's in the garden of the high priest. He has been taken to the high priest's house. And Peter follows at a distance. And he's been sitting around a fire. And sure enough, we pick up in 55, Luke twenty-two fifty-five, And I'm going to read the rest of this account. 55, now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man, this man was also with him. But he, didn't, he denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a while, another Solomon said, you are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirming, saying, surely, surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned around and looked at Peter, gave him the look. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter's reaction was to go outside and weep bitterly. Jesus turns around and gives Peter a life-changing look. That look that, that Jesus gave Peter, it is an important thing to think about. We're going to talk about some aspects of that look this, tonight that Jesus shared with Peter. We're going to point out some things. We're going to start with it, it being a piercing look. A piercing look. I've mentioned this before. The, the, the Church of Christ moms have an ability to burn holes in the back of their children's heads with a look or to their side or whatever. The one, that look that is given to a child who they're misbehaving during services, it can be given to the child next to them or the child in front of them or a child behind them because the moms can see. And that first look says, if you, if you don't stop misbehaving, you're going to get it. And then there's the next look. The one that says, you didn't stop, and now you've just gotten yourself into a situation that you are not going to enjoy being in. And that's when the one receiving the look kind of melts inside. Their stomachs start hurting because they understand what that look meant. That's, a, that's, that's an intense look for a child to get from his mother. But, but there is another there is, the worst look that a, that a child can get from its parents is the look of disappointment. The look of disappointment. That will break a child's heart. That will pierce a child's heart. And that look that Jesus gave Peter pierced him to the heart. If Peter hadn't been guilty of denying Christ, that look wouldn't have penetrated like it did and when we really look at Christ, when we really try to see him for who he is, that he's God, and, and we try to understand that the reason he died on the cross was for our sins, and we look at ourselves in looking at Christ, and we really understand that concept, we will be cut to the heart 
as well. Our hearts will be pierced. Acts 2, 37, New American Standard. Now, when they heard this, and what did they hear? Peter tells them, you killed Jesus. You are the reason that Jesus died. And they, were, they finally saw Jesus for what he was and them for who and how they were. And when they heard this, what Peter said, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? When we look at Christ through the word of God, when we look at Christ and we see who he is and how he is and how we are and how we aren't, we too will be pierced to the heart. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And we're just simply going to read 12, but there are a lot of words in 12, and I want you to get there and listen and read along with me. We're going to look at at Christ through the Word of God. And when we look at Christ through the Word of God, that Word of God, the the Word of God will do some things to us. It will pierce our hearts, and here's why. Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is living and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you look at Jesus through God's word, you will be pierced to the heart. It is a piercing look that he gave Peter. And when we see ourselves through Jesus' eyes, it's a piercing look that he gives us as well. It also is a revealing look. It's a revealing look when, when... When Peter made eye contact with Jesus, Peter's sin of denying Christ was revealed. He he recognized it. It was revealed in his heart. And when we compare ourselves to Christ, the light of the world, and we see ourselves for who and how we are and who and how he is, We're going to see our sinful flaws will be revealed. Talked about this before. Black lights, UV black lights just intrigue me. Um, You get to see things that you normally wouldn't see. Sometimes that's not necessarily a good thing of those things you see. A cat or a dog, evidence that they've been around will show up in a black light. But if it's in the house, that's good because now you know once that shows up, you you shine that light over areas and spots show up, that lets you know exactly where to clean. You, You know now, I need to clean here and make sure that these stains come out. But when we look at Jesus, who is the light of the world, our sins will be revealed and we will know exactly what needs to be cleaned by the blood of Christ. John, 1 John 1, 7 reads, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we need to do that. We have, here's what happens. We walk in the light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses what? Those, those sinful stains. Because when we, our sins are revealed, we can rest in knowing that those sins will be cleaned. Those stains of our lives will be cleaned. It's a revealing look that Jesus gave Peter. And when we look at the word of God, we look at Jesus through the word of God. Our sins will be revealed as well. And that's not comfortable. But it is good to know 
that, that we don't have to live in those sins because his, his blood will, Jesus' blood will cleanse us from all sins. So it's a revealing look. Next, it is a convince, convicting look. Convicting look. You know, Peter knew, Peter knew without a doubt, when he denied Christ, he knew without a doubt right then that he was guilty of doing exactly what he said he would never do, and that is deny Christ. He was guilty, and he had to admit it. He had to accept it. It's a terrible mistake to make, you know, to deny Christ. You know why I say that? We have Matthew 10, 33 Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And you think, well, you know, Peter didn't have an, he, you know, he may have forgotten. No, Peter was there when Jesus taught that. He was right there when he taught that. And so Jesus gives Peter the look, and Peter was convicted, convicted. He acknowledged, he owned. When, when we look at Jesus and our sins are revealed, are we convicted like Peter or just convinced that we're sinners? In other words, do we admit to and own our sins or are we just convinced, yeah, yeah, I did wrong things, I sinned, but I'm not going to do anything about it. If you ask pretty much anyone in the world today, have you sinned, they would say yes. But if you ask them, what's the problem with you sinning, they might say, eh, I'm just, it's not a good thing to do. But if they understand what the Bible teaches, Isaiah 59.2 and other scriptures, that we're separated when we sin, we're separated from, from God by our sins, our iniquities, then they will be hopefully convicted. To be convicted of our sins to the point where we're ready, we're brokenhearted, we're cut to the heart, we're ready to repent, that's conviction. That's the point where we're ready to ask God's forgiveness. And just being convinced is a whole other thing. When adulterers and adulteresses, they read scripture about the sins that they're committing right then, are they convinced? Yeah, well, we're doing that, so what? We'll keep on doing it. Or are they convicted? I've broken God's heart. I have sinned. I'm separated from God. If Jesus were to come back right now, I would go to hell. I'm convicted and I need to change my life. When a pornography addict reads scriptures about lust and sexual immorality, are they convinced? Well, yeah, everyone does it, right? Or are they convicted? I'm, I'm not living like I need to be living. I'm not doing what I need to be doing. And I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing and looking at things. And I need to stop because... I've broken God's heart and I'm separated. When a thief reads scriptures about how God feels about stealing, will they be convicted or just convinced? What about gossips? And they realize that they've hurt people, slanders. They've hurt people with their words and with, their, with the things that they've said about people that aren't true. They just hurt people. And they read scriptures that tell them that's wrong. Are they convicted enough to stop and ask for forgiveness or just convinced? It was a convicting look that Peter got from Jesus. And it, and it turned his world upside down because he was convicted of his sins. It was a moving look. A moving look. Look at verses, verse 62 of Luke 22 if you're still there. Just, I want you to notice a couple of words, three words. Jesus gives Peter the look and then 
And then three words, Peter went out. He moved. He moved. He moved because of that look and because of his denial, he moved. But he moved in the wrong direction. He went the wrong way. Instead of experiencing repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation, he leaves, he isolates himself, he, he goes off by himself and just wallows in his remorse. He went the wrong way. Simon Peter, in that instance, moved, but he went the wrong way. He moved away from Christ. And that is a sad thing to do when you realize, acknowledge, understand, and accept and own your sin. And you run away from Christ. That's the wrong way to go. That is the wrong direction. But later on, we have in John 21.7, Jesus has been killed and he's resurrected. And we find Peter going to extremes to go the right way toward Jesus. We read in verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, Look, it's the Lord. And you have an exclamation point there because he's excited. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he, he put on his outer garment for he removed it. And he just kind of rowed his boat or steered his boat back to the shore. Is that what we read? That's not what we read at all. He jumped in, he plunged, Scripture says, into the sea, not to get away from Christ, but to get to Christ. When we look at Jesus, our hearts are going to be pierced. Our sins are going to be revealed. Hopefully, we'll be convicted of those sins. And hopefully, we'll move in the right direction toward Christ. When we're convicted of those sins, where are you going to run? Which direction? Hopefully toward Christ. When I, when I was a child, shifting gears as we offered the invitation, we moved into this time of you contemplating uh, your life ex and examining your life and where you are. I, I, growing up in Amarillo for a little while, a couple of times, during the summer, cornfields were just full of corn. And I loved, 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 I loved driving, riding in a car and going by those cornfields and those rows. And you can picture this in your mind as you're going along the road and you see these rows, rows just going by you at a high speed. And then, and then there's a road and so it just stops for a second and then it starts again. Those rows of corn, it's just so enjoyable to watch when I was growing up. I noticed some years ago when we started taking the group of teens to Walsenburg, there's a stretch of road from Dumas to Dalhart, Texas. They grow corn, and, and they grow a lot of corn in that stretch of highway. But I noticed that they were different than the ones that I grew up looking at. There were no rows. There were no rows. We, we were driving by them, and we were just seeing walls of corn and no rows. And so, I wondered about that. There, we couldn't see the roads. And, and when we, when, if you look at Google Maps in that area, you will see, I'll show you what you'll see. Um, you will see circles in, on the ground from the air. You'll see circles. Because those fields where the crops grow are mostly round. And so being curious, I looked up and I found this term, central pivot irrigation. 
Right in the middle of a field will be a, a motor. Some, it used to be run by water pressure, and now it's run by uh, machinery most of the time. And in the middle, that's turning, and outside there's these, there are these sprinklers that dangle uh, through the corn and whatever crops, and they will water the crops consistently uh, right in the middle of the, of the plants. And it takes about two days for, that, for, that, for those sprinklers to get around a whole field. They water the crops. From what I read, it seems to be the most efficient way to water crops, to, to irrigate. It, it produces a higher yield than traditional methods. It's really cool. As I was looking at those satellites, you can see the satellite views. You notice those fields. And you might notice something else. They, they are round crops in square fields. Nothing is growing in those corners. Nothing's growing. Why? You can plant corn, you can plant all the corn that you want to in those corners, and nothing's going to grow there. You know why? The water doesn't reach the corners. The water doesn't reach the corners. And then I started thinking about how a lot of times throughout the years when we study with people, we hear people say, I. I can't become a Christian. When they understand what they need to do in order to become a Christian, they might make the statement, I can't. They might make the statement, well, I have sins that I'm ashamed of, that I'm sure they can't, that I'm sure they can't be forgiven. And those sins in people's lives, they're hidden in the dark corners of their lives. And what we need to understand, what they need to understand is this. The waters of baptism reaches the corners. The blood of Christ reaches the corners. When someone is baptized in the Christ, the waters of baptism will cover all of the corners, those dark corners, those dark sins, those hidden sins that they've committed. Those will be covered because the blood of Christ covers the corners of all the sins that we've committed, even the ones that we thought were hidden. Let me ask you this as we wrap this up. How are the corners in your life? Have you allowed them to be watered, have covered, cleansed? Planted, grown, cultivated. Have you done that? If you're a Christian and you haven't been allowing God to take care of those dark corners, just come clean. Be convicted. Do something about it. If you're not a Christian but you understand what you need to do in order to become a Christian and have the corners of your life, all of your sins covered, cleansed by the blood of Christ, act on that knowledge challenge you to do that. And if there are any needs that can be met by coming forward now, let us, let us know about those as we stand and as we sing.